Frost and welcome to the final episode of Series 1 of All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the HomeServe Foundation. And coming up, plenty for apprenticeships in the Chancellor's budget, including more incentives to employers and a new flexible programme. We'll be getting the thoughts of Anna Morrison from Amazing Apprenticeships about that. We'll also be discussing International Women's Day and gender equality in apprenticeships with Anna and with Apprentice Champion of the Year for 2020, Jenny Taylor from IBM. But let's start by taking a look at what Rishi Sunak's budget means for apprenticeships with Anna Morrison, CEO of Amazing Apprenticeships. Anna, welcome back. Goodness me, budget. Difficult decisions to be made for the Chancellor with the budget, of course, as we're expecting, given we're still very much in the grips of this pandemic, though light at the end of the tunnel. Give us the main headlines of the budget for the apprenticeship sector. Sure, thank you. And thanks for inviting me back. It's great to be with you today. Um, I think the headlines were um, particularly around the wage incentives. So this was something that was hotly anticipated. um, And there were two big changes around the wage incentive for apprenticeships. One was the increase in the amount of money that can be claimed. So um, we found out that it would be increasing to £3,000 for new apprentices for all ages. So that was quite a difference from what we'd seen before. Um, And the current incentive scheme was actually due to expire on the 31st of March this year. So it's been extended for another six months, which takes us through to the end of September. Now, let's be clear that wage incentive is for new employees. It's not for existing employees and for new recruits as well. Remember, it's not just the £3,000 that employers can access, but they can also add on that previous incentive of £1,000 for 16 to 18 year olds. So it's £4,000 really at the moment that you've got for the younger age group um, and £3,000 for new recruits for those who are older. Um, Linked to that, I would say kind of the traineeship growth that we saw as well. So not directly apprenticeship policy, but certainly a programme that feeds really strongly into apprenticeships. Um, And then I suppose the other really big one was this new announcement around flexi job apprenticeships or portable apprenticeships. I've seen it getting called different things in different publications, different write ups of the of of the budget announcements. But basically, this is um, where employers are going to be able to. Um, create a recruitment model where apprentices will be able to be shared between different employers. So um, very similar to other training agency programs that we've got. We've got something called group training agencies and apprenticeship training agencies. And I would say that's probably the model that it's got most similarities to. Um, But this will be a new model. Uh, It sounds like it's going to be more driven by employers, which will be really interesting to see. And there's going to be a big pot of money, £7 million that they will be able to apply for from July this year. So things are going to move quite quickly in this space as well. I'm wondering with that flexi programme, whatever we want to call it, I'll stick with flexi because I rather like that. Um, What was the problem that the Chancellor was looking to fix? What is so good about the idea of a, a portable apprenticeship, a flexi apprenticeship? Yeah, good question. So um, I think there are certain sectors for whom the the nature of the work means that apprenticeships don't really work. Um, we've we've had a number of big reforms around apprenticeships, and one of them is a minimum duration of twelve months. Now, if an apprentice ends up working on a piece of 
work, uh, working with an employer, and if we take the creative industries as an example, so perhaps working um, on a film or, or on a particular piece of uh, visual effects, and that contract may not last longer than a few months, and it certainly may not last as long as 12 months for that apprenticeship duration. So working with creative agencies, creative industries, um, I think they've been really flagging that this model of 12 months as a minimum duration was really restricting participation in apprenticeships and that if they could have some flexibility around this of apprentices being able to move around between different employers, that it would enable more people to be able to participate in apprenticeships. Um, there's a huge range of apprenticeships available for the screen industries, which is fantastic. But I think we've had a problem in being able to help employers and individuals to be able to access them. I just want to ask you about the incentives in a little bit more detail, because we have spoken in the past on this podcast about them. £3,000, you said it is it is a big uplift, but is it is it enough? I mean, has the Chancellor gone far enough with this and with other incentives to make taking on an apprentice genuinely appealing for smaller employers at what is, as I said, there's still a very difficult time? Yeah, this is so hotly debated. It's been so interesting to watch the reaction from the sector on this. I think what's really positive is it's gone up and it's been extended. So we've got to give him a tick in the box for that one, haven't we? And say, thank you very much, Chancellor. That was a good move. I think where some of the debate is coming in is whether there should have been greater ring fencing or even increased incentives for young people. And that hasn't been done. So interestingly, he's he's decided or the government has decided that that incentive should be all ages. Um, and whilst that's that's great for employers, perhaps because it means that they, they don't have to be making choices about the age of the apprentice, what would have been great to see would be that, that real focus on young people. And personally, I would have loved to see an increased focus on disadvantaged young people as well. And I think that was really missing, unfortunately. But, you know, we do need to... I guess, recognise that it, it has gone up. So in part, we've been listened to. Um, I think there's also, a, you know, there's a really interesting debate around where apprenticeships sit compared to Kickstart. And this has been going on for months and months. But, you know, with Kickstart, an employer is able to access um, funding to cover the costs of employing someone for six months. Now, if you took apprenticeships on the very lowest national minimum wage for apprenticeships, which I don't personally agree with, but, you know, there is that wage. Employers are able to pay that if they wanted to. If they were to create a 12 month opportunity, it would come to perhaps just over £8,000 a year. So you can see where that £4,000 is kind of half of the very lowest minimum wage that we can have for apprenticeships. But what it's not doing is driving up the good employment agenda, you know, where employers are encouraged to pay more and to create even better working conditions, including the salary costs of apprentices um, in that space. So, so I was a bit disappointed, if I'm honest, that I did that we didn't see more that was particularly focused on young people and disadvantaged young people. And I'm wondering, though, in terms of getting apprenticeship starts that we know are down at the moment, back to where they were pre-pandemic level, is there enough in? Is there enough in this budget? I mean, I did get a sense when I was listening to the budget that it's a wait and see one that there will be more measures to come down the line largely bad ones but I mean there might be some good ones as well in there yeah yeah I think is it going to be enough to change employer behavior possibly not 
So um, I think, you know, we've seen previous reports. I know the HomeServe Foundation themselves have done some research where their employers and their research was showing that really it needed to look more like £7,000 to be able to really convince employers um, and give them that confidence to be able to create those job opportunities. And that would have been brilliant, wouldn't it, if we could have seen a seven or £8,000 type wage incentive. I know Labour were, were kind of calling for something slightly different where they were saying, can we not give employers increased support in the first um, kind of six months of the apprenticeship programme and then reduce the amount of support and reduce that incentive as the return on investment grows from that apprentice? Um, I think definitely more money would have caused a really big boom in employers, I think, for employers who are perhaps sat on the fence or, you know, and kind of thinking, I'm not sure if this is going to be right for me or not. And employers who perhaps have got vacancies um, in, caught up in the kickstart pipeline, you know, and they've been waiting for those to convert. I think if we'd seen a bigger wage incentive, then perhaps those employers would have gone, do you know what, we can do this, let's go for it, let's start recruiting. And it would have been great to see that action. I think, like you say, we're now, we're going to see a kind of a slow roll now as we start to come through um, it's through lockdown and we emerge into the spring, summer months. Um, hopefully by the autumn, things will be recovering. It just would have been nice if we'd had that extra turbo boost, wouldn't it, into uh, getting us started on that. You know, things have moved a huge, a huge amount in the past few years. And, and then we've had a pandemic put in on top. So, so let's hope this response by the government to be able to um, bring in new initiatives um, fairly quickly and rapidly, you know, things like the flexi job apprenticeships or the portable apprenticeships, that's quite new. Um, and, and has been done quickly. It shows that they can move at speed if they want to and if they need mm. to. So it would be great to see some more of that. And it shows that this sector and this area is is on the agenda. I think this is a, mm. a wait and see how this will all play out. I think it's a new starts, it feels like, almost um, with green shoots on the horizon, let's hope for all of us. So let's see where that goes. But I want to talk to you, uh, before I let you go, about International Women's Day. Just tell us about the new resources released by Amazing Apprenticeships. Yes. So thank you. Um, International Women's Day, something I'm very passionate about. So this year we are working with the RAF and we are putting together an event that will happen on Monday, the 8th of March, aimed at female students, but not excluding male students. I want to be very careful to position. So, aimed, But it is aimed at female students to really show them the breadth of career opportunities that are available within the RAF. Um, just to really, you know, work with the team to bring forward some of their female ambassadors who are fantastic champions and role models and just show the kind of career progression that is available within the RAF. Now, this also builds on some resources that we released last year for International Women's Day in March. But actually, they were so successful. We then released a new batch for International Men's Day in November. And what we were able to do through both of those resources is showcase apprentices for every letter of the alphabet. So for International Women's Day, we found um, an apprentice for every letter of the alphabet, A to Z, except for X. X was our really <laughs> tricky letter. So we went with X marks the spot because it could be your future apprenticeship. But yeah, so we've got 25 case studies of um, female apprentices and um, and flashcard packs as well that we use with schools so that they can, they've got this really kind of interactive resource that they can share with their students to show them the variety and the breadth 
of apprenticeships, but also the diversity of individuals who have got those job roles and the wide range of sectors. So we really try to steer away from some of the more typical apprenticeships that you might expect to see females working in. And we try to really find those fantastic case studies where you've got females working in job roles that perhaps would be typically male. We did take the same approach for the men's resource pack as well. So so we tried to do the same for those men working in different roles. But yeah, I think really important that we're broadening the conversation with young people from a really early age. I do this with my daughter already. She's four and I'll say to her, kind of, Jemima, could you, you know, if, if some kind of job role comes up, I say, do you think you would be able to be a, <laughs> a rocket scientist? And she goes, yes, mummy, of course I could. So, you know, it's just about trying to show that, you know, anything could be possible and put those inspirational role models in front of females. That's the sort of nub of the issue, isn't it? You said that traditional female apprenticeship roles because there is parity isn't there with the sort of number of men and women apprenticeship starts but where it starts to diverge is in certain areas I don't have the RAF figures but certainly in STEM subjects apprenticeships you know still 90% male we still also have a 6% apprenticeship gender pay gap that still exists so it's it's closing these I imagine that is where we need to go Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Females are still very underrepresented in some sectors and some job roles. And and it's an area of keen focus that, you know, I think what we're trying to do is is culture change, aren't we, and societal change. And that takes time as well. So as much as there are brilliant campaigns like International Women's Day, which give us that focus for a day and a real opportunity to celebrate the achievements of those females, We've got to keep it going. There's got to be this constant kind of drumbeat of inspiration and opportunity for females. Um, I know there was some work done um, by the Institute for Apprenticeships. I think it was last year where they tried to take out some of the more male language in the apprenticeship standards, which was an interesting piece of work, you know. Um, And again, that caused a lot of debate um, in the sector because, Um, taking out words that may typically be kind of attributed to men or or men working in those job roles. Um, You know, I think it's great that people are taking action. I think we've, it's got to happen at a number of layers, hasn't it? So we've got the education piece in schools and colleges, and we've absolutely got to make sure that teachers are on message and um, not um, not falling foul to any of those gender biases and, you know, talking to their female and male students about all of the different career opportunities that are available. You know, we still see too many courses, don't we, where kind of hairdressing or early years or childcare is full of females and and reverse for men who are working in engineering or manufacturing. So we've got to try and do more to um, to kind of uh, equip females to go into those kind of environments and see the possibilities and not feel intimidated if that's something that they want to follow through. But then kind of take that right through to the workplace and it's really great that employers like the RAF are kind of meeting this head on and saying do you know what we need to do more to encourage women to consider us as an employer of choice so how can we work with you what can we do how can we get those role models in front of female students so so that I think that's really encouraging and we need more employers to be taking action like that as well to be showcasing the brilliant women that they have got working in their businesses and then trying to build on that. Thank you so much. A pleasure as always. 
Thank you, Anna Morrison, from Amazing Apprenticeships. Now, on this podcast, we reckon we do a pretty good job at telling you how good apprenticeships are. But when it comes to really championing them, well, there's only one winner. Jenny Taylor won Apprentice Champion of the Year for 2020, no less, in the National Apprenticeship Awards. She's also UK Foundation Leader at IBM UK. Jenny, welcome. Um, Apprentice Champion of the Year. I can't let this go. Apprentice Champion of the Year for 2020. How did you win that? I would say it is a culmination of 10 years, very, very hard work, um, starting back in 2010 when uh, we and IBM started our apprenticeship programme, but then going on to be a trailblazer chair um, for a digital degree apprenticeship and also just seeing the accomplishments of our apprentices and, and indeed apprentices all, o- all around the country. Um, we'd previously done a graduate program in IBM. Uh, apprenticeships were new to us. We had an open mind. But I have to say, apprentices have just smashed it. Um, so I didn't set out to be an apprentice champion. I became one because I was so impressed with, with what I've seen. A, con- a convert then, would you say? Absolutely a convert, yes. And and I will go out and advocate apprenticeships now to anybody who will listen. Tell us a little bit more, though, if you were just delving into the, the job that you do. And you, know, you say hard work that got you that award, but uh, passion. And that passion has come through witnessing the, the roles of apprenticeships, what they can actually do, the apprentices around you. Well, give us a taste of some of that, if you would. Well, I, I think when you start um, an apprenticeship program, um, you obviously you need the buy-in of the business. And we were very fortunate in that we did have some very proactive and positive people in the business um, who wanted to bring young people in. And, and bear in mind, these, these young people are, you know, 18, 19 years old. So it is quite a risk to bring them in to client facing roles, which is what we do. It's not, you know, doing the photocopying or making the tea or anything like that. It is bringing them into real roles from day one and, and making them into our, our future leaders, really. Um, but I think with apprenticeships still, um, you still need to go out and sell apprenticeships to people. And it's not just within the business. Uh, you know, in order to run a successful apprentice program, you actually need people to apply for it. And if they're all saying, well, no, I'm I'm going, you know, down the UCAS route and um, I'm going to go to university because that's what, you know, my parents say I should do or, or my school says I should do. Um, that's not terribly helpful because we see apprenticeships as a, a new channel, a different channel, but very definitely an equal channel. Um, to our graduate program and we are very keen that young people apply to us straight from school because we know actually and you know we can prove this now because we've got 10 years of evidence that actually apprenticeships are the best start to a career Um, and and, you know I will say this not just about IBM but about um, any career actually because as you know there are apprenticeships available in many, many, many different uh, career paths, roles in all different sectors. So it really is, and it is hard work, yes, to start 
that mindset change um, whereby people actually think, well, yeah, I could go to university, but actually, is that for me actually an apprenticeship learning on the job? Because it is 80% learning on the job, relevant training from day one. Is that actually a better path for me? Um, and I see it with some of our apprentices who come in, um, and perhaps that's why they're so passionate about succeeding, because they, they really are motivated and passionate um, once they've chosen to do an apprenticeship. Um, perhaps that's why um, they are so uh, motivated, because they have had a few arguments on the way, perhaps, um, with schools who say, you know, um, why on earth do you want to do that? Um, and, and parents say, oh, no, no, I want little Johnny to go to university. Um, but so they have made a very deliberate decision to do an apprenticeship. And it's and, and as we can see now, it's paid dividends because 10 years on, we can see people rising up the IBM organization mm -hmm. um, into leadership leadership positions which is absolutely marvelous no it is you, i mean you say it's hard work you say you still have to persuade people to degree or sell it um, has it got easier though over those 10 years have you noticed a shift or are we still very early days i think there's starting to be a shift there's been so much focus on it from the government um and and employers because you know um all employers are bought into this it's not it's not just IBM absolutely it isn't um so I think there is a shift but I still think there's uh, some way to go before they are seen as equal and of course the best ambassadors for this are the apprentices themselves undoubtedly so you know if we go into schools or if I'm asked to do a talk um, I will always take an apprentice or two apprentices with me because they are actually um, far better than I am because they have lived through it and they can talk about their achievements and what it's like to be an apprentice. So um, there's, there are loads more now apprentices out there who can be ambassadors and, and really change the hearts and minds of, mm. of young people who are about to leave school. We spoke to... Um one of those ambassadors, a role model, perhaps, uh, Steph McGovern, BBC Business TV, now lunchtime lady that yeah. she is. That makes it sound like she doesn't do any work. No, she does lots of work at lunchtime on her TV show. But we had a chat with her. She was, of course, uh, an apprentice. It's International Women's Day as well. And I do want to talk to you about that. But we spoke to Steph earlier in the series about her apprenticeship. Let's have a little listen. Actually, at school, engineering was just as much for girls as it was for boys. Uh, and I really felt that. However, when I then left, obviously, my school, went into the big wide world and joined Black & Decker, I was one of very, very few women. And then when I went to do my engineering degree, I was literally, again, a mine in the minority. And that was interesting. But do you know, it, I don't think it made me That think, was interesting. Hang on, well, stop. What was that was interesting? Well, because interesting in the sense of I didn't think – oh, this is a bad thing in terms of, for me personally, I thought, right, well, I'm going to get noticed more. And I I used it to my advantage, you know, like some of the awards I won, I won quite a lot of money for them too. And I entered them because I knew as a woman I'd stand out and I'd be like, I'm, I can do this job just as well as the lads. So I don't think that it held me back. I actually think I used it 
in my power to be, to make myself stand out. And, you know, I, and the problem is, though, is fast forward 18 years later and we still have a massive gap of women in engineering. And that is a terrible thing. And I think that, you know, I meet lots of brilliant female apprentices but and female engineers, but not enough of them. How important is it that we have, I, mean, I spoke about Steph there being uh, a role model, um, but Jenny, do you think it makes a difference having, and particularly the sort of apprenticeships that she does in, in STEM subjects as well, do you think that's particularly important to have women like her? Absolutely it is, yes. Um, I, I could not emphasise that sufficiently. I'm a champion because I I have observed what's happened in the apprenticeship world in the last 10 years, but there is nothing better than somebody who's actually been an apprentice, done it at grassroots level, and then risen up to be as successful as as Steph, for example. There's nothing better than that. There really isn't. Mm. In terms of gender equality, if you look at the, the government's stats on it, we're pretty equal. You know, 50%. I think it's slightly more last year of, of men. I mean, 50.1% it might have been starting out in apprenticeships. But when you dig into the figures, and these are government figures, when you dig into the figures and you work out different sectors, and I mentioned there with Steph and engineering she did, you know, STEM particularly, science, tech, maths, engineering, one, one in 10, I believe, are women. Uh, yes, so um, we certainly see that in the tech sector in IBM. So um, it is uh, a big challenge to persuade uh, women, young women, to apply for technical apprenticeships, um, engineering, and huge amounts of work has been put into trying to affect that that gender balance. Now at IBM, we are very proud actually that our our gender balance is 35% female, which um, for the tech sector is is astonishingly good. Um, so we are absolutely thrilled about that. But but we never stop um, working at that particular aspect uh, of recruitment. Um, the poor boys must wonder what they've done because we, you know, we're also right. We must do this female activity and that female activity. Um, but it, but yes, yeah, it's a difficult job, isn't it, to to get the balance right, isn't it? You want to get fifty fifty, but you know, at, to, at what cost? Almost, how much are you willing to to give? I guess. Well, I don't. I, I don't think it's a it's a cost in effect. You don't have to throw you know, millions of pounds at it or anything. It is a question of giving time, uh, which we're all very willing to do. And it's, you know, it's something before apprentices, you know, IBM has been particularly keen on female gender diversity for as long as I can remember. Um, So there's a huge focus on it, uh, not just early professional level, but further up the organisation as well. Um, So we have loads of highly motivated women in the organisation who are very, very happy uh, to go out to schools, to events, to talk to young women about the opportunities uh, in tech, because generally they don't know. And once they know how exciting a career in digital tech can be, then they're switched on. Um, But it is a question of going out and spreading 
the word, you know, I mean, in IBM, for example, if, you know, if you look at our careers website, it says, you, you know, you can change the world if you join IBM. And actually, that's true. Um, but that, you know, that that's all through technology. Um, and this, it's very inspirational, but you just have to point people in that direction because they're not looking at it and they're not directed towards it um, by careers advisors necessarily. Uh, so, uh, yes, we um, are great ambassadors for bringing more women in because we all, we all know that um, a 50-50 gender balance is healthy for the organisation. It's not so healthy to have uh, an imbalance. You know, diverse organisations are more successful. That's That's well proven. So why wouldn't you want to do that? I want to talk to you, um, of course I do, about, about coronavirus and the impact of the pandemic, because you wrote an article back in February, not too long ago, uh, about how organisations have had to adapt. Uh, yes, I did. Um, and, you know, it has been a big challenge. I think in IBM, we were um, very well set up to go virtually because we're so used to be being mobile, you know, um, anyway. So we've got the technology, if you like. But um, for our apprentices, um, in particular, our early professionals, they have found the lack of social aspect of lockdown very difficult. And of course, we have had to adapt all our courses, um, our training courses into the virtual world, which has um, uh, had some interesting connotations, actually, um, because we're we're very very keen that it just doesn't turn into, you know, powerpoints being delivered over, um, you know, looking at a screen instead of in the classroom. Because we we don't deliver training like that anyway. We deliver it in a very interactive way. So so we've actually great innovation has come out of lockdown. Um, in finding ways uh, to deliver training in an interesting way, but also in in social aspects, you know. So we've we've asked our early professionals to come up with um, social activities just so that they can see each other um, during lockdown, and they've come up with all sorts of things. So we've had cookery. Um, cooking online and a Harry Potter quiz and, all, you know, all sorts of different activities. Um, and we're very proud that we've kept all our, all our programs going. Um, no one um, has had to have a break in learning because of COVID. Um, everyone's kept going. We're still going on with um, endpoint assessments. We've had some great successes in the past year, um, it, despite lockdown. So, I think, you know, we all, we're all dying, of course, to get back to the office and see each other. Um, but, that you know, there have been some plus points as well. No travel, um, people able to rest better, get more sleep, um, you know, those sorts of things. Mm. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think when we get back and can have... Um, for example, we had a celebration event last um, last couple of weeks ago um, for all those um, apprentices who've actually passed their qualifications in the past year, which had to be online. Um, it will be lovely to get back to our London office and have that in person 
you know, with the CEO and the and the photos and all of those nice things, which you can only get quite quite so well um, when you're face to face. Human interaction, you can't beat it. Although no. saying that, though, we're trying to sort of think of the positives of this of this time. And I wonder if you think that, I mean, it, tech has, I mean, it's saved many people's careers, livelihoods, you know, it's kept the country running effectively. And I'm wondering if you think that this will inspire perhaps another generation of apprentices to go into the tech, to the tech sector. Yes. And it's becoming even more visual with things like user design. Um, and, and certainly IBM do a lot, you know, a lot of user experience and, and design, which I think is a probably a little known fact. Um, but uh, we do do a lot of that. So there is a great um, opportunity to be creative. And, and indeed, we look for very creative people, um, people who are good at problem solving. And I think the key point is you don't need any prior knowledge because that's what an apprenticeship is all about, training. So we're not looking for people who have, you know, X skills in programming or um, anything else. We're just looking for people with a passion uh, to want to succeed in what is a really, really exciting industry. Um, and, you know, as we say, you can change the world. You know, IBM does so much to help climate change. Um, we're into AI now, quantum computing's coming down the road. I mean, what's not to like, really, if you want to be at the forefront of everything that's going to happen in the world? Budget. I take a deep breath there. Budget. Um, yeah, we had a budget recently. Um, there were a couple of aspects, I think, which were particularly relevant to you. Obviously, apprentice, apprenticeships, we're going to have extra incentives. Um, but also the tech visas, there is an emphasis on, on both of those areas, tech and apprenticeships, um, to restart the economy. Did you get that vibe too? I think so. Um, but I, th I think it's, you know, it is more kickstarting again. But the, to be fair, the government has always promoted apprenticeships, you know, right from, um, well, for example, um, for my degree apprenticeship, the one for which I'm chair of the Trailblazer Group, you know, we were actually invited to number 10 back in 2014. Um, with a mandate from the government, which was the coalition, I think then, um, to create the very first degree apprenticeship um, because of the skills gap in in tech in this in this country. So you know, it's not new. Um, it's it's nice to have cash incentives, of course it is, um, but it you know it 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 is actually more of the same and it's it's really good to see that there is an emphasis on apprenticeships and traineeships and and you know training for young people because it's very badly needed at the moment yeah that's that to do was my was my point that actually yes it is there is an emphasis and there has been on the past there was uh, incentives as well they've been increased but it is more as you say kick-starting the economy and how much you think that apprenticeships will play a role in that going forward how important they will be as we try to get back on our feet again as a, as a country as a, as a world well ob I mean obviously I think they're really really important and and I cannot <laughs> emphasize um too much 
the point, you know, that the 80 percent, you know, it's all about knowledge, skills and behaviours in the workplace, 80 percent on the job training, 20 percent off the job. It is the perfect combination to kickstart any career. And we can prove that, you know, when we have graduates coming into IBM, we still have to train them. So they still have to do that on the job training. You can't get that at university, um, certainly in our sector. Um, So why not do an apprenticeship? They are absolutely, well, the best way to go. And uh, what we need now, of course, and and I suppose what the Chancellor is trying to do is to encourage employers to recruit more apprentices because that that is actually what needs to happen. You can't be an apprentice unless you have a job. Um, So so that is the key factor, I think, in getting this going again. Hence, I'm sure the, the incentives to encourage employers to do that. You know, some some employers are just trying to keep their heads above the water, aren't they? Um, a lot of people are on furlough. Um, so not in a position to take on apprentices at the moment. But hopefully when we get out of lockdown and the economy starts up again, then apprentices will increase and people will start to recruit more apprentices into their companies. We have marvellous apprenticeships in this country at all levels and I do emphasize that so um, you know you can start at level two as a trainee and you can if you want to work yourself up eventually to a level seven master's degree Um, and indeed you know we have people in IBM who are treading that path and are on their second apprenticeship uh, the ladder of opportunity we call it so I think the future is very bright. Um, as apprenticeship champion, obviously, I would encourage any young person to consider an apprenticeship very, very carefully. And my advice always is go for it. Just go for it because apprenticeships can really change lives for the better. They are the perfect way to start a career. Jenny Taylor, you've got my vote for Apprentice Champion of the Year 2021. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Also UK Foundation Leader at IBM UK. Also, thank you to Anna Morrison as well. And thank you, of course, for listening. If you want to get in touch to have your say on anything that we've been talking about today, you can find the HomeServe Foundation on Twitter at HSV underscore foundation. Just use the hashtag allaboutapprenticeships. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and hit subscribe. It helps other people find us. Thank you.